Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Why would a responsible young woman suddenly abandon everything she holds dear? Dear Steve, I just want to say goodbye to you and the kids. What? Only to re-emerge from the murky depths. It was just the most brutal, gruesome scene where she abducted. I mean, what happened? Detectives uncover a twisted trail of broken hearts and betrayal. Shut up! Perpetrated by a shape-shifting killer. I know where you live and I can't wait for us to be together. It will take an international manhunt to catch this chameleon. This was some heavy-duty crap. <laughs> right in the middle of it. About an hour north of Miami is St. Lucie County, a string of sun-baked beach towns crisscrossed by an endless grid of algae-filled swampy canals. It's pretty overgrown. It's pretty wild. If you go west of town here, um, we breed mosquitoes, so hot and humid, muggy, with lots of insects. This canal, known as C-24, empties out into the St. Lucie River estuary, but at its other end, it sidles into America's largest and most infamous swampland, the Florida Everglades. Lots of alligator activity. They're pretty common out in that part of the county, um, especially in those waterways. The gators alone keep most folks away from these muck-covered banks. But one night, an even deadlier predator walks out of the muck, hoping the swamp will devour all signs of its kill. It's mid-July, 1990, in a peaceful southeastern corner of the Everglades. The McGowan siblings, Steve and Beverly, get together often. They originally hail from the Philadelphia area, but moved to South Florida about 10 years ago. Remember when Dad used to take us out? <laughs> he used to make us dig up our own worms. Yeah, yep. You complained then, too. 34-year-old <laughs> Beverly is the youngest of the three and still single. 
Typically, her love life is a constant topic of conversation. But today, the talk shifts to her two-bedroom condo. After saving for years, Beverly recently bought her own place in Pompano Beach, about 20 minutes from her brother. It was a big deal for her to get this condo, striking out on her own. It was a pretty nice place. You know, there's something you didn't tell me. Hmm? You did not mention how hard it is having your own place. Wait until you have a lawn. When you have a lawn, it's going to be even worse. To pay for that condo, Beverly holds down a part-time job at Goodwill, as well as working full-time at the Glendale Federal Bank. Good news. You've been approved. You know, college, best days of my life. You are going to have so much fun. Thank you so much. Good luck. She worked as a loan officer in the student loan department. She had a successful job, and she seemed to have her life on track. Despite working around the clock, Beverly still struggles to make her mortgage, so she's been renting out her second bedroom. Steve, always the protective older brother, thinks it may not be worth the trouble, given Beverly's bad luck with roommates. You know, George wasn't bad. He just wanted to get his own place. I mean, he was fine. But what about before him? Okay, yeah, Brenda was a mess. But um, I think it's going to be okay this time, you know? I'm going to... It's going to be all right. A week later, Steve and his older sister get a letter from Beverly that can only be described as, well, bizarre. Dear Steve, I just want to say goodbye to you and the kids and let you know that what I'm doing is the right thing. The letters were really short, a paragraph or so. Basically, she explained that she wasn't happy in her life. What? She was leaving her job, leaving her apartment. She'd be okay not to worry about her. Hell, what have you gotten yourself into? This is not the way Beverly would convey these feelings. And it was not in the norm for Beverly just to take off and leave. The letter is postmarked the previous day, Monday, July 16th. Come on, Bev, pick up. Steve can't help but think his sister has gone temporarily insane. He hightails it over to Beverly's condo, but when she doesn't answer the door, he lets himself in with his own key. Bev? Bev? He searches the condo and he notices that the closet's full of clothes, dishes in the sink. It was exactly like somebody would leave their apartment when they went to work um, and were coming home that evening. Beverly! What the hell? Socks? Here, kitty, 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 kitty. Then he tries to find out what is missing from this condo. Her two cats, all of her identification, and her answering machine. And outside, Beverly's car is gone. It was like, okay, was she abducted? I mean, what happened? What's going on out here? And what has she gotten herself into? Uh, hi, is uh, Craig Johnson in? The next morning, Steve calls the bank to see if Beverly's shown up for work. Uh, hey, Craig, it's uh, Steve McGowan. I'm, I'm Beverly McGowan's brother. Uh, has she called you or, or, or been in today? I, I can't get her on the phone. Beverly has not been in all week, I believe. She called in sick on Monday, and then I haven't seen her since. Oh, okay. Um, but you know what, she actually spoke to someone in the mortgage department, so I'm gonna transfer you through. Okay. But she wasn't just calling the bank to say she'd be out sick. She instructs the mortgage company to 
cancel the mortgage and foreclose on the property. The mortgage company broker tells her she's going to have to send him a telegram to verify this information. Steve is horrified. This is completely out of character for his sister. So he files a missing persons report with the Pompano Beach Police. Uh, hi, yes, uh, I'd like to report my sister is missing. Uh, yes, uh, her name is Beverly McGowan. She's been gone at least two days, I, I think. Meanwhile, 100 miles north up in St. Lucie County, the sun is setting over the grungy shallows of Canal C-24. Bring the pole back, hold on to that button, and then when you pull forward, let it go. As anyone who fishes knows, it's a good time to snag some snook or tarpon. Excellent. Excellent. Jesse Moorhead is just this average guy taking his niece fishing that evening. There you go. I think I got something. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Come on, it's your first time. <sighs> Son of a... Ruh. The body was minus the head and hands. It was just the most brutal, gruesome scene. By the time detectives arrive, it's near pitch black along the desolate canal. Their headlights illuminate the grisly scene. What do we got? It's like an adult female. No purse, no ID, decapitated, no hands. I don't remember anything this violent. It takes a tremendous amount of force to remove somebody's head. We really didn't know who it was, you know, where this person was from, because there's no identification on the body. She was just wearing a floral shirt, a pair of Levi's, I think just one sandal on one of her feet. She had an injury to her stomach. At the time, we didn't know if that was from some trauma to the body. I was hoping that she died somewhat mercifully, but under the circumstances, the condition of the body, I, I had my doubts. My guess is, is that they were hoping that they would let the alligators take care of her. Because, I mean, that's not an uncommon thing in Florida, unfortunately. Deputies comb the swampy canal, but it appears any remaining clues, including the victim's head and her hands, have been swallowed up by the slimy waters. There's not much to tell them who their Jane Doe is, much less how she met her horrific end. So what are your thoughts? Well, this here, this isn't a stab wound. A perp sliced something away from her body on purpose, thinking a tattoo. The killer or killers removed that tattoo. Um, in our mind, to keep her identity from being discovered as long as possible. Based on the brutality of the crime, investigators speculate that more than one person was involved. My guess is male, somebody with a lot of strength. The killers did miss something. During the examination of the body, there was noticed a yellow rose tattoo on her ankle. And that's not all. And here, the decapitation, it wasn't clean. Some teeth were left. I'll take images for you. Hours later, police hold a press conference asking the public's help in identifying the unfortunate victim. Hello? Well, no, but I, I can turn it on now. A concerned friend calls Steve McGowan. What channel? 
she's like, you know, they found this body and it's got a yellow rose tattoo, you know, and that sounds like it might be Beverly in there. St. Lucie County officials are seeking help in identifying the body of a woman oh found in the shallows of a remote canal. The body is described oh no. as having a tattoo of a yellow flower on the left ankle. No, no, no. Steve provides a photo of a tattoo. This one was on Beverly's stomach. And it is believed that it matches that area that was cut out on her body. So sorry for your loss. This is so, so surreal. In her family, there's a, a genuine fear that these people are still out there. And why did they pick her? And might they come for us? Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
three days after 32-year-old Beverly McGowan goes missing. Steve McGowan is told his sister has been found headless and handless, tossed into a mucky drainage canal like trash. It's almost too much to bear. This really, really tore him up. I mean, again, it was his little sister. The level of brutality shocks even veteran Detective Miller and his colleagues at the St. Lucie's County Sheriff's Office. I love her so much. You stay with these cases because, number one, it's your job, but they do get under your skin in trying to find out who did this to another human being. These letters, do you, do you think they were really written by Beverly? Uh, this was so strange. Yes. Is there anybody else you think that would want to hurt Beverly? No, no way. Everyone loves her. Although, she, she did have the, some bad luck with previous roommates. According to friends, Beverly's most recent roommate was trouble with a capital T. Brenda, our rent is due! Look, I like to party too! Come on, you're high all the time and all your money's going up your nose! Brenda was just a, a total mess. Seriously, come on, Brenda! I, I think her and Brenda were just opposite ends of the spectrum. And before Brenda, there was George. But according to Steve, he was a breath of fresh air. <laughs> they were roommates for just a few months and decided that he was going to go get his own place. And she was not very happy about this, and so she just pretty much stopped talking to him. It doesn't sound like George had an axe to grind, but could Brenda have sought sadistic revenge after Beverly kicked her out? Or was there something else going on between Brenda and her housemates? Detective Miller resolves to talk with both of them, but meantime... How about boyfriends? <laughs> you could say she's pretty unlucky in love. She had a kind of a tragic past history with guys. Former boyfriends had died in accidents. I guess you get enough of that stuff happening to you, you're just not going to get close to anybody anymore. But you know, there, there was something strange. Last week, she, she told me that some guy left a creepy message on her machine. Now, I know that scared her. A few days prior to Beverly disappearing, she got an obscene phone call. She brought the answer machine itself into work so they could hear it themselves. I know where you live, and I can't wait for us to be together. Jeez, Beth. Do you have any idea who this could be? No one, including Beverly, recognized the voice. Could Beverly have fallen prey to a violent stalker? There was one guy she'd been hanging around with a lot, a fellow by the name of Mike Lubor. Mike Lubor was a friend of Beverly McGowan's. They went to dinner several times a week. He was an artist, and they lived in the same apartment complex. Mike? Yeah, can I help you? The detective wonders, were they more than just friends? Detective Miller, I'm investigating the murder of Beverly McGowan. Uh, what can I do for you? Can you tell me where you were the night of Tuesday, July 17th? Yeah, I was at a gallery setting up a show. Do you need the number for that? Yeah, I'm gonna need that. All right. Mike is quick to deny he'd ever do anything to harm Beverly. 
He claims that the last time they spoke was two days before she disappeared. Mike had called Beverly to go to dinner. Hey, hey, guess who finished his latest masterpiece? So what are we doing for dinner? My treat? Oh. Bev is usually free for a last-minute dinner plan, but not that night. I actually can't tonight. Um, um, I, I met a new roommate, potential roommate. You found one. Yeah, yeah. Um, we met last week, and she's coming over tonight, and we're just going to kind of see how things go. Beverly said, look, I've met this woman named Alice. She's British. She's just awesome. She was working for IBM on loan, and Beverly was quite taken with Alice. Thank you so much for seeing me. You really have a lovely home, darling. Thank you. Um, I'm, I've been looking for a roommate for a while now, but I'd like to know more about you. Oh, well, I was in London, darling, which is really grand, but I'm really looking forward to some Miami nightlife. We're going to have so much fun. I think it's going to work out. Uh, you seem a little more exciting than me. I'm kind of a bit quiet and I'm just, you know, a little boring. Oh, <laughs> oh darling, we can fix that. Do you know anything at all about numerology? N no, I don't. I don't. It, what exactly is that? Darling, it's fascinating. I could take the most important numbers in your life, I could work you up a chart, and we can see what's in your future. In fact, we could probably tweak that a little bit. I, I don't know what to tell you. She was really into this Alice woman. Um, but, yeah, it was... Detective Miller makes a note to track down Alice, but he also calls the art gallery to check up on Mike's alibi. Hey. What'd they say? Mike was there all day. Um, just located pretty far away. Four days after the discovery of her body, the results of Beverly McGowan's autopsy are released. The medical examiner stated because her head's missing, he can't say conclusively the cause of death, but her throat being slit would have been a factor in her death. The problem is, was she shot in her head? We don't know. Based on the brutal nature of her death, detectives still believe that more than one killer was involved. If you're going to remove somebody's head and hands, um, it's going to be really bloody, really messy. Somebody had to have helped. Medical examiner can confirm Beverly was not sexually assaulted. There's no DNA. You know, I'm starting to think we're dealing. Homicide, Stuart. We're on the way. They found the car. I'm driving. Let's go. Beverly McGowan's car we discovered across from the airport at Miami. The car had been there a couple, three days. What we got? No sign of blood, no prints, nothing. I think we're dealing with somebody who knows what they're doing here. We were hoping it would lead us to her killer killers. Which is just another little weird dead end in, in this whole, you know, weird scenario. Still, the fact that the car is devoid of all evidence does tell detectives something. They're dealing with someone who knows how to cover their tracks. Maybe someone who's killed before. Police turn to Beverly's financial records. They'd already put an alert on her credit cards, and now... You're kidding. Detective Stewart gets an urgent call. Thank you. Beverly McGowan's credit cards have been used. We got a break. There are some credit card transactions that put 
Beverly's credit card and ID being used in Miami the same day we discovered her body with only about six to seven hours difference. The next day, Beverly McGowan's Visa card was used at several stores in the Aventura Mall in North Miami Beach. The killer, or killers, did everything they could to conceal who their victim was, but now police think they know why, because they've stolen Beverly's identity. Beverly McGowan's credit card receipts. Someone used Beverly's credit card to purchase women's clothing in a Miami shopping center about 100 miles south. $25 for a shirt, $30 for a pair of pants. Investigators sit down with the sales clerk to try and get a description of who made these oddly ordinary purchases. Despite all the customers she helps, she remembers this one. She was blonde, tall, uh, kind of curvy. She was alone. She didn't say much. Based on the description, Detective Miller follows a hunch. He offers up a photo of a woman named Lorencia Bembenek. She looked familiar? Yeah. That was her. Can't forget that face. Known as Bambi, she had recently escaped from a Wisconsin prison where she was serving time for killing her ex-husband's wife. The breakout made national news, and all law enforcement agencies have been on high alert. Miss Bambinick was serving a prison sentence for murder, so obviously she had violence in her past. Bambi was a former Playboy bunny turned Milwaukee police officer, and by all accounts, she's as crafty as they come. She was blonde, she was attractive, and everybody was like, she's a killer, you know, she's, she's done it again. Based on this new information, police alert the media and U.S. Marshals flood the Miami area to hunt for Bambi and her lover, Dominic. Meanwhile, Detective Miller is alerted to another case, one that chills him to the bone. You should take a look at this. This victim is similar to ours. So this woman was found with her hands cut off too. What are we dealing with? A sick coincidence or a pattern? Almost exactly one year prior to Beverly's murder, the body of Lucinda McLean was found shot, stabbed, and floating in a swampy canal three hours west in Sarasota. Her head and hands were also removed. There were almost 1,300 murders in Florida that year, so this is the first time cops are hearing of this gruesome homicide. Cops thought this might be the work of a serial killer because it's found out in the swamp, you know, maybe there's something, you know, connecting all of this. She was stabbed seven times in the chest, a different MO. True, but maybe he had a more intimate relationship with his victim. The similarities pique detectives' curiosity, but there's nothing conclusive linking the two. That was one of many leads we had pointing to a potential suspect um, that were ended up going nowhere. And there's more bad news. Despite the store clerk's positive ID of escaped killer Bambi Bembenek, Detective Miller's hunch about her also seems to be wrong. Turns out Bambi and her boyfriend were nowhere near Florida when Beverly went missing. They had fled north to Ontario, Canada, where they were eventually captured. It just took a lot of man hours and a lot of time chasing that down. A Bambi is a dead end. You gotta be kidding. Just as they're staring down nothing but false leads, another transaction pops up on Beverly's account. Yeah, Detective Miller. Beverly McGowan's credit card was used 
for a person who boarded a British Airways flight out of Miami to London Heathrow. Flight 292. All right, thank you. We got another hit on the credit card, and it looks like we got ourselves an international fugitive. Detectives check with the airline. There were no passengers by the name of Beverly McGowan, but her credit card did buy the ticket. Police are too late, but it isn't long before that same card is used again. An attractive woman wanted to rent a car in London and try to use Beverly McGowan's ID to pay for these transactions. Sorry, Miss McGowan, it seems your credit card has been canceled. We still need to deposit for the petrol. The credit card did not go through. And eventually, this individual paid in cash the fuel deposit. London um, and the Metropolitan Police Department were, were made aware of the issue and started helping. The car rental agent tells authorities the woman looked like Cleopatra with short black hair. The individual who rented the car calls back to Avis and wants to extend the rental. Could you let us know where you are? Hold on, Sam, where are we? As detectives suspected, based on the extremely violent nature of Beverly's death, their person of interest has a male accomplice. We, we really need you to come back to the car rental place then and switch out the car if you are going to extend the contract. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm growing awfully fond of this one. <laughs> but Cleopatra and her escort make the slip and vanish for good. Eventually, the car was uh, left outside of a rental place. No physical evidence was left in the car. No prints, no fibers, no nothing. And uh, whoever had it just disappeared. It's a crushing blow to the investigation, leaving detectives wondering, will this cunning pair strike again? Eight months pass with no new leads. Beverly's credit card is never used again and no other victims are found in Florida mutilated in the same way. Then, St. Lucie County State's Attorney Investigator Nora Pfeiffer comes on board to revive the case. With fresh eyes, she zeroes in on the passenger manifest for Flight 292, but it's not as simple as it sounds. We knew that the possible suspect had left on a British Airways flight to London. I've been reviewing the flight manifest and I believe that one of these people killed Beverly McGowan. That's 200 suspects. It takes four years, but Detective Pfeiffer, using her State Department contacts, methodically combs through the backgrounds of every passenger on that flight. And finally, in 1996, out of the murky depths of this mystery, emerges one name. Oh, check this out. Sylvia Ann Hodgkinson. What's so special about this? Well, according to the State Department, she's dead. Really? There's no way the real Sylvia Hodgkinson could have been on that plane. Good work, Miller. Pfeiffer runs Sylvia's name through every U.S. criminal database until, sure enough, Sylvia's name also comes up in another identity theft case from May 1991, involving 41-year-old animal welfare worker Charlotte Cowan. What's eating you? Man, you wouldn't believe me even if I told you. Try me. So about a month ago, I got this letter. A summons to appear in a Miami court. She had a rental car, and it was past due. They arrested her for that attached and unassigned tag, and I think petty theft for the stealing of the tag. But the thing is, it's total bull. 
I never had a rental car and I never stole anything. So today I go into court to try to fight this. The officer was there that made the stop. He took one look at me and said, Your Honor, this is not the woman. I said, I know. <laughs> and I asked him, I said, tall, redhead? Yeah. I said, uh-huh. I know who it is. Turns out it actually happened at that table right over there about a year ago. I met this gorgeous woman named Anne Tremont. So I was just sitting there chilling and having a beer, and she walked in, and I'm like, whoa. You look like you could use another. I'm sure. May I sit? Have a seat. And then she walked over and sat right down beside me and said, hi, my name is Ann, and went on from there. Cheers. Uh, cheers. Charlotte confesses the attraction was instant. Um, you ain't on anybody. Maybe I'm waiting on you. <laughs> sit down, have fun. Oh, thank you. She was very nice looking. She had a way about her. I thought of her being as cultured, well-mannered, well-dressed, but not overdressed. Their conversation quickly turned to a discussion of the mystical. Darling, do you know anything at all about numerology? Uh, no, not, oh, not really. It's fascinating. Yeah? I could actually tell you what you're going to be doing in five years just by looking at the very important numbers of your life. Oh, this is crazy talk. I can't no, be it's true. true. I, I, Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. All right, then. Uh, so uh, first of all, I'll need your phone number. She wanted all these numbers. So security number, my birthday, anything that had numbers she wanted to. According to Charlotte, the two women went on a few dates. I'm not going to lie, it was real hot. I mean, she met my mom and I met her brother. He was blonde, fair-skinned, well-dressed like her. She introduced him and he, you know, he said hi, and that was it. Nothing serious ever developed, and the women drifted apart. But then the mysterious Anne Tremont suddenly resurfaced. She called me and told me that her and her brother had come into a lot of money. They'd inherited. And her brother had her put in a home. He said she was crazy. Charlotte! All right. Anne showed up at Charlotte's condo in the middle of the night. She had on a wig, and she was freaking out. All right. Anne, what's going on? Oh, thank God you're home. All right. Oh, you have to help me. You have to hide me. Hide you? With my, my family, they're out to get me. They've, they put me in a loony bin. Uh, Anne, are you all right? Maybe you just need to get some sleep or something. No, God, I, gotta, I just gotta, I gotta get a new identity. I gotta get, gotta get my life back together. And that's when she asked me if she could oh, borrow my birth certificate. Every time I said no, she freaked out even worse. And I finally gave in because I just wanted to go to bed. <laughs> So I did get my birth certificate from her a few weeks later, but I never heard from her again after that. So the moral of the story is, don't go swapping numbers with just any hot girl. Amen. The charges were ultimately dismissed against the real Charlotte Cowan, but for investigator Pfeiffer, the case is just beginning. Because in the police report, Pfeiffer sees that there was another alias found on the woman posing as Charlotte. And the name is Sylvia Hodgkinson. Whoever took Charlotte's identity is the same woman who posed as Sylvia Hodgkinson on that flight, purchased with Beverly's credit card. Do you remember the woman that Beverly was interviewing as a potential new roommate? Alice. I don't think Alice was going to be a potential flaky new roommate. I think she was trolling for another life to steal. 
the State Department discovers that the name Sylvia Hodgkinson has been used as an alias by a woman named Elaine Parent, now a 54-year-old U.S. citizen originally from the Bronx. It's the connection they've been after for nearly a decade. Once the State Department had made the connection between the individual using Beverly McGowan's card as being Elaine Parent, then the investigation of Elaine Parent starts. I realized that um, this was some heavy-duty crap. I was right in the middle of it. Police believe their cunning killer is the same person who dressed as a blonde and used Beverly's credit card at the department store. She is also the same woman who flew to London using the ID of Sylvia Hodgkinson. And she's also the same woman who conned Charlotte Cowan as Anne Tremont. Elaine was the forerunner, if you will, of identity theft. She would move through people like some people change clothes. In addition to Beverly McGowan, Charlotte Cowan, Sylvia Hodgkinson, Elaine Parent had assumed more than 20 different identities. I think we could have a lot of fun, you and me. And she's not just reading numbers and stealing IDs. She viciously murdered Beverly McGowan, which makes her extremely dangerous. Police give Elaine Parent a nickname worthy of her criminal skill, the Chameleon Killer. Elaine seems well aware she is at the center of a major manhunt and even enjoys toying with the police. In 1998, a postcard was received by the sheriff's office. Whoa, whoa, wait. Did this come in the regular mail? Yeah. Look, she signed it. The chameleon. That bitch. We believe that she was just sending us a note, letting us know that she was out there and keeping up with what we were doing. Despite more than eight years of investigations, Elaine Parent seems to be a country mile ahead of the police. Sometimes we were months and months and years behind. She purposely did stuff to cover her trail so she could keep going on with her, her crime spree. And so long as Elaine is still at large, Charlotte sleeps with one eye open, a luxury that Beverly McGowan no longer has. I was scared, and I thought I'd seen her a couple times. That blew my mind because I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Because if she finds me, she'll kill me. In April of 2002, the TV series America's Most Wanted airs a story about the chameleon killer. She is known to be armed and extremely dangerous. And the tips start rolling in. Detective Miller, St. Lucie Sheriff's Office. Okay. You sure it's Elaine Parent? Panama City Beach? Okay, do not approach this woman. She is extremely dangerous. Okay. Thank you. Panama City, Florida is over 400 miles away, so Investigator Pfeiffer can only anxiously await word from the local officers who follow up on the tip. After 12 long years, she has a lot of questions for the chameleon. Why? That's the most important question. Why did she have to kill Beverly? And why did she have to kill her in such a ferocious manner? It's around 3 a.m. when Panama City police knock on the door. And a middle-aged brunette answers. Why? What? What can I do for y'all? Sorry to disturb you, ma'am, but uh, we received a 911 call. From here? No, I don't think so. 
Do you have any ID? Uh, yeah. The woman identifies herself as Darlene Thompson and shows police a military ID. She looks nothing like any picture of Elaine Parent the officers were shown. Sorry for the inconvenience, Miss Thompson, but we're looking for someone. I'm afraid we're going to have to ask you to come down to the station with us. <laughs> what? She agrees to go for some questioning to straighten this. Obviously, it's a misunderstanding. Can I get my purse? Out of sheer dumb luck, one of those officers happened to be either reserve in the military or just recently got out of the military. Let me see that again. Well, this isn't right. See the background here? I'm thinking she realizes there's no escape for her now. She can't run off. Should be a stamp over here. This is a... Miss Parent? Miss Parent? She chooses to pick up a firearm. She shoots herself and kills herself. We executed a search warrant at that house and we recovered a Florida driver's license, which was counterfeit, with Elaine Parent's picture, but the name of the female she was living with in Panama City. Police also recover Elaine Parent's computer, which is full of data useful for making fake IDs in several states. Next to her computer, more passport applications. They also discover a closet full of disguises. Elaine Parent's suicide is a bitter blow to Nora Pfeiffer. She has so many questions that will remain unanswered. This case is important because we have to get justice for Beverly McGowan. With family members of people who've been murdered, the why eats and eats and eats and eats. And the only closure we can give them is bringing all those persons to justice. Based on what they've learned about Elaine Parent, investigators think they know why the chameleon targeted Beverly McGowan. I just feel so good about this. It's going to be great. <laughs> Beverly may have been lonely at that moment and extremely vulnerable, and Elaine Parent, being the person that she is, was able to read this. Do you have a boyfriend? What's happening in your personal life, dear? Uh, well, I... Let's just say I haven't given up on love. Well, good, because you shouldn't. <laughs> You're lovely. Thank you. Elaine is able to use whatever that magic is she has to befriend Beverly and get her in her confidence and learn everything there is to know about Beverly. Remember the other day when I mentioned numerology? Mm-hmm. Are you ready to give it a go? Right now? Yes, right now. Why not? OK. Oh, excellent. It's <laughs> going to be fun. In addition, to stealing all of Beverly's personal numbers. I think Beverly thought maybe Elaine was the answer she was looking for, and it turned out to be the wrong answer. All right, excellent. Um, now I need your social security number. Wait, my, you want my social security number? Well, yes, just to get the completed chart, get a whole picture, you know. But investigators believe that Beverly may have caught on to Elaine's scheme. After all, Beverly worked at a bank and knew a thing or two about fraud. What other numbers are you going to need? Well, your, your lucky number, your bank account number. Um, you know what? Um, I, I don't really think this is going to work out. Oh, of course it is. It's wonderful fun. Come on. You know what? I think it's best if you just leave. Um, I'm not... I, I think you should go. Really? 
You can Hi. see yourself out. Huh, thank you for a lovely evening. Did Beverly discover what was going on and protest? Did she try to make Beverly do something? Alice? Did one of Elaine's co-conspirators go too far and then they hurt her and she threatened to go to the police and then they had to kill her? Alice? Ah! Oh my God, what are you doing? Okay, Beverly, you are going to do exactly as I say. Who are you? No, what are you? Please just let me go. Before leaving the condo, detectives suspect Elaine then made Beverly write the goodbye letters to her brother and sister and then forced her to drive to the swamp where Elaine's accomplice was waiting. Turn it off. Please, Alice, just Slow. let me go. Walk that way. Where are you taking me? Just keep walking, Beverly, you can head. Police believe Elaine and her alleged accomplice then slit Beverly's throat, cut off her head, hands, and sliced out her tattoo from her stomach. Behind you, watch. The pair then tossed her remains into the gator-infested canal. Beverly's head and hands were never found. Detectives are still unable to link Elaine Parent to other homicides. Beverly's case remains open and active. If anybody has information regarding the death of Beverly McGowan, the travels of Elaine Parent, or any other people who could have been associated with Elaine Parent to assist in the murder of Beverly McGowan, they need to call Sergeant Jim DeFonzo at the St. Lucie County Sheriff's Office in Fort Pierce, Florida. For Steve McGowan and his family, Beverly will never be forgotten. That, that's, that's horrible. Does anybody have to go through what he went through? And he loved his sister. He loved Beverly. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.